1: ny or text hope ny in new york
2: everyone's digging out from the snow day today a lot of people working from home so you know sitting around let's have a conversation and today for the first time since pennsy football season uh the mailbag is back you are leading the conversation on the bwi daily edition And because it's a snow day, and honestly, just because he did such a great job yesterday, we're giving him the day off. Nate Bauer, a uh, little bit under the weather, a little bit has children, but he's not here today on the Thursday show where he normally is. So I'm stepping in, and we're doing a mailbag with Sean Fitz. Fitz, how are you doing today?
3: Doing great. Explains the professional intro. Appreciate that. Uh, no, I, I was I was laid up a couple of weeks ago, so now I'm getting they're getting back at me for uh, for for taking that week essentially off from those podcasts. So. Happy to do it. Uh, I think it's my first mailbag since we've been here, so uh, interested to see which questions pop up. I know you had some on the site you crowd sourced from Twitter as well, so I'm sure we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, we got some we got some good questions. We got some
2: other questions and uh, we've got a new way of getting questions that we're going to implement and uh, we're gonna work through this. So please be patient with us, but in order to help us and help you at the same time, uh, what we're going to do is for future mailbags, we're gonna take our questions from uh, Apple Podcasts. So if you leave a five-star review with your question, on the next mailbag, we'll get to it and we'll answer your question there. I'll still, you know, I, I, can't, I always feel bad. I don't want to leave anybody out, so we'll probably still get a couple from the message board. But in order to help us grow the channel, in order to, you know, help us keep going and, and go higher and higher, we're going to try to goose some of our numbers over there on Apple Podcasts. So that's where we're going to get our, uh, our questions from in the future. But for today, they come from where they always have, which is the Blue White Illustra- Illustrated message board. The best way to get your insight and information is at the BWI message board. Sign up for $10, get access until next football season for those $10, and get access to the mailbag thread. So Penn State 2012 starts us off. He says, besides the quarterbacks, who are these bowl practices most important for? So we're going to go positionally. What positions do you think are the best to gain the most from extra practices?
3: Well, I think on offense, you go right to the receivers. I know all the talk with uh, this month has been about portal receivers and replacing them but you've got a bunch of guys that are stepping up into new situations of course Parker Washington's not going to play so that puts Keandre Lambert Smith right in the crosshairs it moves Trey Wallace up a little bit Um, you've got younger guys we've been talking a lot about Caden Saunders lately Liam Clifford got into the game at the end of the year so that young receiver group is going to have an opportunity to get a lot of reps um, get reps in different spots and Hopefully they can cultivate something out of that. Of course, they still want to get a couple of guys from the portal. Um, but still, if you're on campus right now, you have a leg up on whomever may be coming in in the spring and it gives you an opportunity to really come in and make an impression. It's not about, to, it's not about winning the job for 2023 right now. It's about making an impression on Taylor Stubblefield on that coaching staff about how they can position themselves going into the spring.
2: Uh, the I'd say the, Attacking it from a different angle, I think that's a that's a really good point from a football perspective. Just what position takes the most mental tax? Which one is the most of a mental load? And to me, my mind goes to linebacker. So, guy, you know, young guys. You, you point out the, you know, I think that's a really. In, important point. So Keon Wiley, getting more reps at linebacker, having more time to develop. So a lot of these practices at the beginning of the month, as we've uh, been told and we've talked about, they're not necessarily uh, all about Utah. They're about development and and things like that. So, you know, I'd go maybe linebacker and then you point out receiver. That's another really good position of knowing just more time in the offense. Can you master more option routes? Can you understand better depth and route running and all the precision it takes to be a good receiver? So, you know, that is, to me, when you're looking at practice and reps and all those things, quarterback and mentally challenging positions, I think are a good place to start.
3: If you if you look at before we get to the next one, if you look at some individuals, guys, uh, you look at guys that are maybe moving on, taking some light reps. Of course, you look at Sean Clifford and, you know, you've got to get him prepared for the game. But at the same time, give a little bit more to Drew Aller, Bo Perbula, of course, Christian Veyers out. So that helps Bo Prabula get some more reps. We talked about Washington being out, but a guy like P.J. Mustafer moving on. Um, you know, I, I would hope that at this point in his career, he's getting not not the day off, but he's getting a lot of time to himself that, that he can, uh you know, watch the younger guys practice. And you look at uh maybe a Kaziah Izzard who started to come on at the end of the year, getting more reps as a, as a potential starter next year. You've got guys on that defensive line that are young, deny Dennis Sutton, things like that. Um, But just getting those guys that are maybe have been around for a while, you want to take it easy on them, getting the guys behind them, more reps, Vega Ione uh, at guard, you know, uh, they, they obviously, struggled keeping healthy down the stretch. So this couple of weeks off maybe helps out some of those guys in the offensive line. So Vega, Drew Shelton continues to develop and and things of that nature. So you've got guys where you're looking to players that are moving on regardless. Jair Brown's going to move on. So what what can KJ Winston get out of this? Yeah. So I think that's who I'm like kind of focused on when you talk bowl practice because those are the guys that will ultimately actually benefit from it. It's tough to go full speed at this point because it is December and your game is a couple of weeks away, but those are opportunities for guys like that to really help themselves. Cam Miller as well.
2: I want to ask you about uh, one guy you mentioned, Kaziah Izzard. I was pretty impressed with the way he was playing at the end of the season. Um, Just totally off topic here. Is he a guy that you could – See breaking out next season, you know the the talent moving from defensive end has been apparent for a while, but you know kind of getting everything on track has been an issue. Do you think he can get there? And what did you see from him?
3: I think so. I mean, he was one of those guys that made some some snap plays in the backfield. um He's got uh, just a little bit quicker. I'll, I'll be on honest. Uh, it's tough to forecast that one because you're playing beside Hakeem Beeman, who's 270 pounds. G- Izard's 290 pounds, so you don't have that big guy like PJ must taking up blockers and things like that. So how do you work around that? And that's one reason I think that they're looking in the portal for a guy that uh, is a little bit bigger um, that could come in and play right away. Of course, uh, looking at the Juco ranks as well, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's got the talent. Um, he's really come along um, and made some, uh, made, made some bigger plays. I mean, PJ is a guy that was going to fill the role that he had carved out for a long, long time. That wasn't necessarily a playmaker, he did a lot of things that that didn't show up on the stat sheet, but that wasn't necessarily a playmaker. So, I think Izard can step into there, and uh, I'm curious to see what that rotation looks like next year. If uh, if you get Ellie's back and and Jordan Vandenberg and some other guys, and this potential portal slash JUCO or or both entry, how that room looks. But I think Izard right now, if I'm projecting starters, would be right there beside Beeman.
2: Yeah, I, I, that was kind of people have asked, is he going to fill that role? As uh, you know that can he bulk up BPJ must but I think that the best best use of guys talents are, are kind of where they are and not trying to force something like that so that's why I wanted to get your take on that because I'm very intrigued about that defensive tackle position and not just the portal but you know the, the guy that's going to step up out of the scrum next question we have here is from Chester Copperpot it's clear that Penn State has put a priority on adding wide receivers through the portal. Other than through the portal, are there current wide receivers that are poised to emerge and become solid targets for Penn State next year? In other words, is there a breakout candidate within the room that we should be talking about?
3: Well, I think that's why we're talking about the portal so heavily. Uh, is, a re- is a guy ready to step up and be a number one? I'm, I don't necessarily think so. Keandre Lambert-Smith is, is probably the biggest enigma in this room because he's really, really talented. Really, a lot of things that he can do. He showed in the Michigan State game that he can do things at different levels. He's not just a guy um, that, that can beat you down the field. He's not just a guy that does it at the line of scrimmage. He can do it a little bit everywhere. The issue is he's, he has to do it more consistently. He has to do it consistently and confidently, and I think that second point is cannot be hammered home enough. So can he be a guy that, that puts up the stats of a number one receiver? possibly but he's certainly not there yet and i'm very curious to see with the guys that they're going after in the portal the bigger guys the outside the traditional x guys do they move keandre to the slot next year because he does have that skill set he does have that short area quickness where you can work that guy in and over the middle so that's a guy that i'm looking to is he's he's always had the potential to break out always has had the potential to break out but he hasn't gotten there Trey Wallace, uh, another guy that they're very high on his athleticism. Um, is he ready to be a number one? I don't think so either. Um, he's he's done some nice things, but he's also had some drops. Um, and then you go a little bit further down the depth chart. Really curious to see what Anthony Ivy can be, bring to the room. I'm not sure that he's ready yet, uh, or will be ready next year as a redshirt freshman. Um, but he's a talented kid. He brings a he, he brings a lot um, in terms of a skillful player to that room, and that's a that's a that's a room that could use an elevation in skill and. Really talking from top to bottom there,
2: yeah. The the talent and you mentioned a lot of guys that are talented but raw and Amari Evans I'd put in that category as well. Of you love the building blocks, but these guys need a little bit of time and and to prevent to prevent the idea of rebuilding and to reload. I think that's why the emphasis you're right in the portal is to get those those lead receivers, those X receivers and uh, the guys that about, have
3: produced. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. These, these guys are essentially all all potential right now.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that 100%. Uh, one thing that you have the poten- potential to do is to go... To the Rose Bowl. We'll actually be talking about the Rose Bowl in a little bit, but one of the biggest things that you need to know right now is that if you want to go, there is a deal for you, and you can see it up here in the uh, right-hand side of the corner, Collegiate Athletic Travel. They are a sponsor of the Blue-White Illustrated Daily Edition, and they want you to know that uh, for those of you who haven't made your Rose Bowl travel plans, here's the deal that gets you to LA the easiest way and at a price that you won't find anywhere else. I'm glad your shit is sitting down, Fitz, because this number blew me away. $895 for a nonstop trip from Harrisburg to uh, the Hollywood Burbank Airport. I, yeah. I, I was I was looking at play. I was uh, connecting flights, flying from State College, flying from Pittsburgh, flying with my arms trying to get Zoe to the Rose Bowl. You add on probably 25 30% if you're flying anywhere else. Yeah, is and a big
3: stops, there's stops in those trips. I was looking at some of the stuff this week. I think the cheapest one out of Harrisburg is right around nine hundred, and that's sending you not sure where. I think Chicago, and then uh, doing nonstop from Harrisburg. That's it, a tough, tough deal to pass up at eight ninety five. I mean, that's slightly more than we than Nate and I are flying out together. It's slightly more than we paid from a different airport. And uh, tell you what, I would take that one every time. I actually. The first time I went out to the Rose Bowl, I came back on the direct flight to Harrisburg with uh, collegiate athletic tours. It was awesome. Uh, Just straight flight. Didn't even have to uh, stop and do worry about bags and everything. So I definitely recommend that if if you haven't made your travel plans yet.
2: I, I hate traveling. You know, I do it. And when I do it, so I do I do it so infrequently that flying is actually still exciting to me. But at the same time. Uh, connections are the worst. So, avoid them nonstop via Southwest Airlines charter flight from Harrisburg to Hollywood Burbank, LA's easy in, easy out airport, departing December 30th, return January 3rd. Book now. And I mean that seriously. Book now. They only have a few remaining seats. Collegiate Athletic Travel, as Fitz has said, um, you know, they are a longtime partner of Blue White Illustrated. I'm so happy that they wanted to be part of the Daily Edition. Uh, I'm grateful that they're here, and I want to make sure that they They get what they're looking for, which is your butt in their seat. So brought to you by Penn State's longtime bowl travel experts, Collegiate Athletic Travel. For complete details, to book your reservation, visit AthleticTravel.com. That's AthleticTravel.com.
3: Pulling
1: up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
3: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So let's get back to your questions here on The Daily we got Pocono 570 says strange really helped open up the run game for Penn state this year. Who do you see? Take that next step in the tight end room as a run blocker fits.
3: I wish I knew, Um, you know, we, we, you had (laughs) talked a bunch of times about that uh, run blocking group. Uh, I would say Theo Johnson, Uh, Tyler Warren was very much hit and miss this year. And you look at what Penn state has behind him. I don't know that Khalil Dinkins is going to come in and be a dominant run blocker or anything like that. Andrew Appelier could eventually be there. I mean, I think beat me he's, my guy. he's my guy, but that's not necessarily for the 2023 season um, to to step in and, and be what Pat used to be, essentially. He's going to get all those Pat comparisons, and he's really good. He's one of my favorite players in the class. But looking at this group of tight ends right now, it's going to have to be Theo. Um, you're going to lean on him heavily next year. You're going to lean on um, uh, Tyler Warren as well uh, and then try and find a third guy out of that group. So it's tough, man. Strange was is such a great player, like uh, yeah. just an underappreciated all around guy, catches the football well, blocks, he's gotten better with his blocking and uh, really does a lot of things well. Um, and he's, uh, he's, he's going to be a guy that's, the, that's really tough to replace.
2: I, I want to shout out Brenton Strange for what you just said, which is an all-around player for two reasons. One, I appreciate good football players as I've said here on the show and doing things the right way, you know, from a technique standpoint, all that stuff. And two, that's what I think all of us projected for him and, you know, us in the analysis business and looking at his high school film. I thought he could be that complete player, guy that can catch, that can block, all that stuff. And I, I, I'm glad he finally got there so that I wasn't wrong. Uh, The issue with this group is consistency. I've I've seen Tyler Warren devastate some guys with run blocking, especially for some reason more in 2021. He was a little more consistent. Theo Johnson at the end of the season really started to come on um, more so in space, probably not as much in line. But he was even then getting better, battling with tight ends. He's obviously got the size for it. Um, and I, I would hate to see him kind of go down that Mike Kosicki route of like just basically a receiver at tight end because I think he's got a complete game as well. So I, yeah, those two guys have to step up if they want to have continue to have this two tight end set. Um, Dinkins blocking in a different way. Do you think they could use it maybe not as an inline tight end, but we we saw, I saw more from him this year than I expected in the, in the brief flashes. Do you think kind of in that orbital slot receiver, good blocker way they could use him in that way and, and accentuate some other areas other than just two tight ends lined up, condensed formation, run outside.
3: Yeah, I think they could run him across the formation, you know, kind of like they used to do with Gasicki to yeah. get in the guy's way. But I think Dink, Dinkins probably brings a little bit more um than I mean, <laughs> no offense to Mike, but he brings a little bit more than than Gasicki. He's a good football player. He's got a good mind. Um so he can really uh, use that to his advantage to uh, to come across and play that h back role and and come across the formation, open some things up. So I think that's the way that they would do that. I'll also be interested to see. Um, what they do, they, they used a lot of Bryce Effner at times, uh, especially down the stretch, um, trying to get an extra offensive lineman in there. To, is that a role next year, especially given the ex- experience that you have coming back at offensive tackle? Can you use one of those guys in there and the numbers? And we'll talk about, uh, next year's offensive line here in a little bit, but the numbers should be a little bit more conducive to getting those guys out there and, and maybe helping yourself out, especially in the red zone and short yardage s- situations.
2: Yeah, I think that, and especially if they get a transfer tackle, they're going to be begging to get guys onto the field at that point. Uh, here's a question from Steven Light. Uh, what are the odds that I get an appearance from Aller in the bowl game? He He's setting it at 4-1. to one. What's more interesting to me than is Drew Aller going to play is how are they going to play him? Because if they blow out Utah and he plays in the end of the game, great. We've seen that. It's going to be in the Rose Bowl. Do you think... Like we saw previously with guys going to the NFL or guys that are definitely done, like they don't have any more eligibility, you'll see the younger guys kind of start to take that transition and take the reins from a starter, Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley, Fiesta Bowl style, or is this the quarterback's too important, we want to win the Rose Bowl, so Clifford's playing, and that's that. What do you think the the approach would be there?
3: I think the ladder there with Clifford's playing, they want to win the Rose Bowl. I tried to look for some precedent here under the staff and Hackenberg got hurt in the Gator Bowl and Trace McSorley came in for him. So and 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 Hack was done. And then in McSorley's last game, he got hurt. Uh, I know he was in and out. There was a report. I remember there was a report that he was done for the game. And then two plays later, I think he was back on the field. Um, But the last two quarterbacks that have come through, they, they were knocked out of the game. So there's really no looking at how this staff handles things. I, I do think they're going to let Sean play. Um, I think it's uh, the, the way to the, the the easiest, not easiest path, easiest path is a bad idea. Um, but that that is the direct route to them winning the game is having Sean play and having the whole playbook and everything like that. It'd be nice to see Drew get a couple series. I'm not going to lie. I'd love to see that. But you look at this game and it's a little bit different than a, Gator bowl or even the, I think it was the capital one bowl or, or or whatever Mm -hmm. against Kentucky. Um, So I think you're going to play to win the game. And I think that means Sean Clifford.
2: Yeah. And it's not an easy defense they're going to go against. So Mm -hmm. you, it's not, again, it's not like in the Gator bowl or it, that Kentucky defense was good, too, so there's not really a good comparison of a, of a bad defense you've faced. That Gator, that Gator
3: Bowl was the Georgia defense that turned into the Georgia defense, <laughs> and that's uh, that's saying something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was funny because I was trying to think back and how, how those guys ended their careers, and it was not yeah, – it's not ideal. I'll say that.
2: Let's move on to – WCF 1647, a new member at Blue White Illustrated. Glad to have you. Hope you came through the, the daily edition. Hope you heard about that and you're here to talk about uh, the projected depth chart of the O-line next year. Any chance Shelton moves to right tackle? Does Wallace slide to guard? I know you've been doing a little bit of work on this because it's been one of the four main questions
3: that people have had this offseason. So what, what are you seeing for this group next year? Yeah, the season's not even over yet, and we're talking uh, <laughs> next year's offensive line. But that's not a surprise. We do that pretty frequently. It's always good to look ahead because you haven't lost any games when you look ahead. Um, uh, you know, obviously Olu, a left tackle, going to be and you know going to obviously be be the guy. You can put Shelton as his backup. I mean, they've got three tackles right now, essentially. you got Jimmy Chris as a fourth, but you've got three tackles. So whoever's not that starter at the other position will be the backup at the uh, left and right tackle position. And you feel pretty good about the three guys that you have. Obviously, they've been talking about adding a fourth through the portal. Tough sell. Uh, t- tough to go out and find that. Uh, left guard, I've got Landon Tangwall and J.B. Nelson. As I mean, it, it, it's pretty close to what you would see right now um, with the Excuse me, with the exception of, of course, Tangwall being out for the season at center. Uh, Hunter Norzad, the guy to see. We we think Juice Grugs is off to the NFL. He accepted the Shrine Bowl invitation this week. Um, that would not surprise anybody. Behind him is a question mark. I, I have Nick Dawkins written in here. Nick mm-hmm. missed a bunch of this season um, with an injury. His arm was in a sling for a lot of this uh, a lot of this campaign. So we will see what happens. Hopefully Dawkins is back out there um, and going because you're not really sure of how quickly you can find a replacement or find the next guy at center um, beyond Nick Dawkins right now. Um, unless it's one of those guards that you move around um, yeah. right guard, Salim Wormley, obviously returning starter. Veggie Ione is a, a guy that they would like to get more reps. I mentioned him as, in the outset as one of the guys that's very important this, uh, this offseason and this bowl season to get reps. Um, and then we think Caden Wallace is going to be back and competing with Drew Shelton. Don't want to, you know, say one or the other right now, because it is December 15th, 2022, and we're talking 2023. <laughs> so a lot ahead of those guys right now, if they're going to compete for that job. And then Jimmy Christ, I have listed as the backup behind whoever's not the starter there. So um, you'll get numbers going. Um, Birchmeyer, I think will factor in there. David um, yeah. Williams might factor in there as well. Don't see Duncan factoring in there uh, right now uh, coming off of the, or uh, that red, or let speed, me, that, fresh oops, go ahead before the the freshman yeah. class of Shelton Ione, and then essentially jB nelson who had four years to play three and preserved that red shirt somehow preserved that red shirt getting these guys on the two deep this early is is very very good for their development especially when we just continue to go back and beat that uh 2020 uh offensive line class into the ground
2: the, I wanted to ask you about Birchmeyer specifically in that lineup and, and you make a good point about getting the, the young guys in and integrated. Is he special enough in terms of I think we all love what he does at the high school level from a technical standpoint, intelligence standpoint. The only reason he's not bigger is because he's a wrestler and he has to maintain a certain weight. Could he be a guy that factors in at center? in that kind of question mark position you had because I think that's a very fascinating thing of you don't normally get freshmen that are, are in the conversation at center, but he's got a skill set having played center in high school that maybe it's a possibility. Do you think that is a possibility or it would be one of those guards you or maybe even um, Tangwall that would be the backup center if something happened and they had to go into the depth there?
3: That's a good question because I think Birchmeyer is a guy that could, given his skill set, given his his high floor essentially, that yeah. could help you out at center, could help you out at guard, could even help you out at tackle. I mean, he could be a guy that competes for the fourth tackle job. Like that's a, I think that's a very interesting way to, to go about and look because he is so advanced, because he could come in and play. And it's very tough to do so. I mean, Lennon Tengwall was the same way. When you look at a guy that could come in with his technical ability and Uh, the advances and things like that Um, the other thing here is that he's a wrestler he's still wrestling and he's still uh, to to be a wrestler under 285 pounds so he's going to have to continue to get bigger I know he's a he's a big kid he looks big and things like that but he's going to have to continue to put on weight put on the right weight and then uh, get get as strong and and catch up Uh, love him as a prospect um, but I think and I think he's a guy that we've been projecting as an interior guy but I do think he can play all five spots
2: I I think that getting the weight on him is is good and it's it's just funny because like it's just different each time because he's so young and you, you want him to get bigger. And then I think about Bryce Effner playing at what looks like 270. And he just looks like a string bean out there and playing very effectively. Uh the the weight is interesting, but I 100% agree like he to be the center and to be at that po- at that position adding the weight is a, a pretty important thing. Yeah. Um the 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 last thing about the offensive line. I know a lot of fans, you talk about it being December 15th, and everyone's got optimism that Drew Shelton is going to be the next great tackle, and it's going to happen immediately. Um, He has to beat out a veteran, so let's not not presume anything just yet, because I know that's part of the question was basically, is there an upgrade on the roster? Because, you know, the struggles at right tackle over the last couple of years— I think we have to let that play out, as you said, compete with Caden Wallace, not just assume that job is flipping this offseason if that's the the breakout, which I think most people would agree is is the best one for that group.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very curious to see how that battle will play out. And Shelton's another guy that needs to develop physically, uh, get bigger, yep. um, get put some weight on, and uh, continue to get stronger. Um, he's got a lot going for him, but like, It was noticeable that he was a freshman in pads beside the guys that he was beside. wasn't that noticeable for Vega Yone, but, you know, for for a guy like Shelton that was about 270 pounds this time last year, 275 pounds this time last year. I mean, it it takes a while to to get that natural bulk.
2: This is the BWI Daily Edition. It's the mailbag. We're answering your questions, if you would, as a thank you like the video Uh, always helps us out when you like the video. And when you check out the rest of the the channel, bluewhiteillustrated.com, we had our first hoops podcast yesterday, and we started with a bang here on the the YouTube side of things with head coach Micah Shrewsbury sat down for 30 minutes, a great length of time talking about recent wins, um, the NIL situation with Penn State basketball, talking about the future of the program, talking about recruiting in some very honest and transparent ways. Check that out on our YouTube channel, and of course, like this video, subscribe, so you don't miss anything, and when you see the Hoops podcast come up with, I don't know, maybe another celebrity guest next week? We always shoot for the stars. Then you're you're right there. You'll never miss an episode. Uh, Did I skip over this one? Yes. PSU Crusader. Many fans basically view this as a real, honest-to-God two-year window to make a leap with Aller. Is that feeling shared in Lash and are they making decisions accordingly? And I'm assuming making the leap doesn't mean just competing and winning against Ohio State, but making the leap into the college football playoff. Um, how, is how do you take that question? Uh, you know, from uh, from the opinion that's buried inside of it. Aside, what? Do you, how do you view this
3: this question? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely definitely plausible. Um, you know, the, just talking to people, they know what they have on the roster they feel very good about that they've gone out and pitched that to these receivers in the portal that they're trying to add as a as a finishing touch not necessarily a you know a, a giant gaping hole in the roster but a finishing touch to a really really good football team a football team I don't know if people remember, but they won 10 10 games this year and they're going to the Rose Bowl. So it was a pretty good season in itself. Um, But yeah, absolutely. They see this. Um, They see what's around there. Talk to, to people in that building and they can't help but look to the future. They can't help but look and say, if this kid is everything that we think he can be, then it's going to make everyone better and all ships will rise. And I think that that's really what they're going to do. The second part, are they making decisions accordingly? Of course. I mean, that, that, that implies that they weren't doing it in the first place. And that's right. Foolish. So, um, you look at uh, what they've been doing and and how they've been able to, or how they've been trying to adjust, um, and fill the, uh, the voids that they have. And I think they've done a pretty good job. And now are they, uh, unbeatable or anything like that? Not, not close to that. They've got a lot of development to do and a lot of things have to fall the right way for this, uh, for this uh, dream run as you would call it to to happen but they certainly have the potential. I feel better about this team um coming out of this season looking into next year than I have for a long long time.
2: Yeah, I want to supplement this question with another one we got on on Twitter and it is essentially the same question which why I didn't have it up here, but Stephen Lesco on Twitter asked, so according to the message board, we're just receivers away from running for a Natty. What in in your opinion will it take to actually get the team over the hump? and i think that it's right here in this question basically view this as a 2 year window with aller at quarterback we have to find out if aller is the quarterback like that right. we let's start with let's start with the basis of don't assume he's going to be the superstar he is until he proves it that he is he's got the tools he's got the talent he's got to produce and and that's going to be surrounding him and giving the opportunity to do so the offensive line looks like it's going to be in a position of strength to make that happen careful but as we (laughs) right (laughs) they i want to give him credit for this year you know just what they did and then yeah the projection going forward is always the careful part but it is like put him in a situation to succeed the receiver position is absolutely part of that conversation but he also has to prove that he can read coverage and throw the football to the appropriate player at the appropriate time Uh, So that's just my two cents on that particular topic.
3: You're right. And you look at the ways that they've built up in several spots and the running game as a whole, not just not just the two backs that they have because they're fantastic. But the running game, the offensive line gives you the opportunity to do so much and take so much off of a uh, sophomore, uh, essentially sophomore quarterbacks back. Last time they replaced a quarterback, you replaced Trace McSorley. And that was one of the best quarterbacks in program history. And I know Sean has a bunch of records and things like that. And you will miss like, believe it or not, you will miss a lot of the things that he has done. um, The little things, the, you know, that, that he has done to elevate this team and get them wins. Um, But I don't think you're replacing as much with, uh, with Clifford leaving than, than you were with McSorley. Cause I thought the team, you know, that they had after McSorley had a lot of potential. And it kind of just kind of, you had a first-year quarterback, things didn't go right, and then all of a sudden you, you you ended up where you ended up. So I think this team, it's at a better jumping-off point than that team was, and the gap between the two quarterbacks is is probably not as great as it was a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, and I, I would even say that the the 2018 team, where McSorley was in his final year, I don't think that was a particularly... I, I, it was not. It was clearly not as talented as the two years before, and mm-hmm. they still stayed at a certain level. Still won some critical games. Didn't finish it out with the bowl win. Uh, I think they were nine and three that season. So like, but I don't know that it was that good of a team, and they were able to maintain a certain level and a certain standard. Um, Chester Copperpot, he's back. Wants to know about special teams. Amor Binniger. Chester's him. great, by the
3: way. Love he him.
2: is. He he's one of the few that gets two questions on the show. He knows the uh, stuff. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to special teams, losing a lot of players, including, as he points out, the top two kick returners, what's in the pipeline on special teams to uh, either elevate the level of play on that side or replace some of the guys that you're going to be missing now? Uh,
3: a lot of questions there on special teams. And we talk about those holes and things like that. There are uh, that that's one of the ones that shines through. Um, very curious to see how they replace Jake Pinninger, who I will st- keep stumping that was a much better player than a much better kicker than Penn state fans will give him credit for. Um, And he obviously did not end his regular season career the way that many would have drawn out. But if you look at the games leading up to that was a really good kicker, Um, especially in the realm of kickoffs Uh, really improved, over the season, as they tried to find with Gabe Nuosu, Sanders to and then eventually pin- they just went with Pinnaker because he could pin those guys back and, and get touchbacks. That will be fascinating because Sahadak has the big leg. He just has not been as consistent as they'd like him to be. I don't think he was as close to pushing Jake Pinnegar as people want to have themselves believe. Um, so I'll be curious to see if a guy like Alex Falcons, uh, the transfer from Columbia, who's going to be a walk on but has experience. Sort of in a similar situation to the way that Barney Amore came in, had experience at a lower level, but uh, you know still kicked the ball well. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to see that battle and how he can factor in there. Um, 62 touchbacks in 10 games, a couple of field goals over 50 yards, so seems to have a pretty strong leg. Haven't gone out and fully scouted Alex Falcons, and hopefully shot him a message today, and maybe he's listening. Hopefully, get him on the podcast soon. Um, but that I think that one's very much up in the air, probably a little bit more than you would think based on the fact that those guys um, that are seemingly uh, the replacements that are on scholarship, Sahedak and Biketa, um, you know, I think those those will be a little bit closer than people think. They, those guys have to be more consistent. And that happens. They're freshmen, redshirt freshmen. Um, that happens when they're young players. Um, but there will certainly be battles there. I, I always
2: appreciate you and Nate having uh, something to say about special teams because it's just a big shoulder shrug to me. I don't know. It's not that I'm dismissive of it. I just don't know. And I, I think you're right when it comes to the consistency of some of these young players. It seems to be a theme, right? That there's a lot of talent. They just have to be more consistent uh, going forward to to win these jobs. And that that comes with time, right? Like, you know, when we're talking about young kickers, I imagine it's kind of like a, every other position, but it's even more technical and it's even more precision and rep, rep, things like that. So I, I'm not I'm not surprised there's a lot of questions there with some of the players they have and, on the roster.
3: And kicking is so much more precise than it used to be. I mean, put Jake Pinninger's numbers up against some of the perceived best kickers in program history and Pinninger's above them right up there. I think uh, 78% or something like that. And he, and he had a really, really bad year a couple of years ago. Um, so it's uh, it's a situation now where we talk about the advanced expectations in the internet era, era, and that's as true with kickers as with any other position on the team. They're expected to go out and make those kicks now.
2: Just a couple more questions here on the BWI Daily Edition. It's our Thursday mailbag show. Don't forget, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and uh, then we'll answer those questions on our next mailbag, which w- whenever that is, we've got an extravaganza of uh, – of recruiting content coming up next week. Rose Bowl Media Day is on Friday. Uh, there is a ton of stuff going on. So uh, we'll get to the last couple questions, but make sure you're submitting your questions. Five-star review plus a question gets you on the next Mailbag Show. Uh, Coast fan, Greg notes that six players who potentially have more to gain from bowl practices. We went over a lot of these guys, but individually, are there true freshmen that didn't see the field that can make a push during this time off season and spring to be a significant factor next year with all that starting right now during these extra free bowl practices.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's a quarterback there that could definitely stand to benefit here that did not start this year. Um, But if you're looking at guys that didn't play or maybe guys that didn't play at their position, or maybe got a couple of games in uh, two guys that I pointed out earlier, KJ Winston and Cam Miller, Uh, Joey Porter off to the NFL moves Cam Miller up a slot. and Now he's all of a sudden he's in that rotation at corner. Um, and that's, uh, that's going to help him and get him some time in there. And KJ Winston, uh, of course, you know, in the same spot that he was during the season, but I think he can push for playing time and push at a starting job next year. Cause I think he's really good. I think he's, uh, one of those guys that can make the leap from his freshman to sophomore years. And all of a sudden, um, you know, he's starting and you don't think really twice about it. Um, still competition there, of course. Um, with the the other guys that are coming back. Uh, So we'll see those two. Those two have kind of been pinned at the hip as guys that played on special teams this year did not take that red shirt, but still showed a little bit of something. And I'm excited to see both those guys. From the guys that did red shirt this year, Caden Saunders, we talked about a little bit earlier. I think the slot's very interesting because if you are going to add guys on the outside and maybe move Keandre in there, what does that do for Saunders? What does that do for for Liam Clifford? Saunders um, up and down in his first year in in uh, in blue and white, but still think very talented guy, a guy that can do do a lot for you in the slot, and we'll see maybe factors in with kick returning and things like that. Um, so I'm very curious to see him. I mentioned Anthony Ivy a little bit ago. Did not play. I, he may have gotten into a game or something at the end. Um, but is one of those guys that when we reached out to program sources, they said this kid's got something. And I'm not sure that he's ready to break into that rotation next year, but these bowl practices are a good time for him to do that before they split back up and go to a uh, you know a a varsity versus foreign team uh, versus uh, practice squad uh, type uh, situation. Christian Driver is really interesting to me because with this position, you got it, yeah, with this position group, um, you know, he played defensive back last year. He's got hereditary skills at wide receiver Um, just a good football player I mean this is a guy that we were looking to back in September as yes he's going to redshirt, but he's closer to playing than you think he is and that was a corner he was never going to stay at corner thought thought he was going to move over to safety but receiver looks like it's going to be the thing Um, those guys have a way of popping up and uh, making an impact and this is a guy that we see on the jugs machines after practice and things like that, really working on his craft and that good things happen to people like that. And uh, I'm curious to see where he stands coming to the spring. It also gives you on a broader sense, a little bit more flexibility with not taking a, another receiver in the class yeah. of 2023 with signing day next week. Um, changes some things with doesn't really change things with uh, with portal. Um, but that's an extra body in there that you really weren't expecting to have. So those guys are in there. And then another guy that's not a true freshman, but Tyler Duzanci, going to uh, replace the best player in college football at his position, Chris Stoll at Long Snapper. Um, definitely got to get him in there as well. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I want to highlight the
2: slot because what you talked about I I think is spot on and, and I'm fascinated by that position. Um, And then you you took the words out of my mouth with Christian Driver as a guy that I think has the potential to be a dark horse in this situation because you you mentioned his dad, obviously. But also, I liked what I saw from him. And he hasn't ever really gotten the opportunity to play a lot of receiver, even in high school. There were not a ton of targets that he got when he was uh, down in Texas. So I think that there's a lot of uh, undiscovered uh ability at that position and he's not big in terms of like six three or some of these guys we talked about in the portal but he is a physical presence i mean he was going to be a safety so he's got a physicality about him and you're right i just i think he's such a good football player i want to see first off where they want to play him and then you know what is the learning curve what are the things we don't know yet with him so seeing him i don't know if it's a bowl game maybe it's in spring practice um time I want to see what he can do at receiver we just got to see him a little bit at the end of the season when his dad was there before Thanksgiving and watching you know kind of the the uh way he was learning and being taught I thought he was a pretty receptive sort of player so I like everything I see there and then Caden Saunders uh, you know I'll, I'll say this again this team needs speed you need to have a deep threat the slot deep threat is a very valuable thing if you can have it and uh he can provide that. And I don't want to say the clock is ticking because, you know, he's a he's a true freshman. But at the same time, we're talking about different ways they're going to get guys in the, in the slot to play there. Liam Clifford showed something. I want to see more there. I think those two could make a really dynamic pairing in terms of physicality, speed, all that stuff. But that is something that I'm going to – we're going to see how that sorts out. And it's going to be really interesting. But obviously, you've got to solve the other receiver positions before you get to the slot.
3: And I've, and I've never been one to believe in genetic ball skills until I saw Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, like <laughs> his tape early at St. Joe's prep uh, looked like uh, when you get a puppy and the puppy grows and just, it, it, it has these long legs and just kind of flops around. And then, uh, you know, it just the, the coordination is not there. And then the ball goes in the air and he was a totally different player. And if you can get anything like that, I mean, Driver's been around football his entire life. If you can get anything close to feeling the ball like Marvin Harrison jr f- felt the ball or feels still feels the ball. Um, I think there's something to that and I uh, didn't believe it until I saw that
2: a couple, we only got a couple questions left. I want to get through this one quickly. Cause this seems like a pretty cut and dried thing. And then we got a Rose bowl question and then something I'm super fascinated about. So Chandler Pierce says UCLA is in with the big 10 abandoned divisions, go to 10 conference games in 2024. What do you know about the situation of how things will change? Um, Going into 2024,
3: as I told you before the show, few things interest me less than conference realignment. So, uh, uh very quick on this one, uh, they're going to abandon the divisions at some point. Uh, I would say still nine conference games, um, but uh, abandon the divisions as it should have been before UCLA and UC- USC were coming into the picture. So, that's that's my thoughts on that. Again, not terribly like this and schedule this and future scheduling are like <laughs> way, way down on my list.
2: I know what uh, I know what game it is the week of the game. That's how I know where I'm supposed to go. I'm very want to know because I don't have enough brain cells to keep everything straight in the future. Utah, one of the best teams in the country at preventing sacks and tackles for loss. Schedule isn't full of teams who get into the backfield, so can Penn State's defense be disruptive, or will Utah take away the defensive identity? Um, this is an interesting one. They stay on schedule, and they've got a good game-managing quarterback. Just make them not on schedule get them off schedule, and then force Cam Rising to throw the football, he will give you the football. But you've got to stop the run first. Their zone system, they're very good at it. They're very good at what they do. But I do think Penn State and Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs are going to be a big part of this game in getting on the other side of the line of scrimmage, playing aggressively. I don't think they've seen talent at that position the same way As they have with Penn State, UCLA was good against the run, and that game they lost that game in a low-scoring defensive battle. So to me, that's no. I don't think they're going to take away Penn State's identity. I think this is going to be a slugfest. These two defenses are very good,
3: and I think they're going to run at them, not around them. If you try to run around those linebackers on the edge, you're going to have issues. If Utah can go straight at them, and as you mentioned, with without saying it they're so well coached. They, they, they do oh, okay. what they do and they do it extremely well. That was the Michigan scouting report as well. So if, uh, if Utah wants to run at Penn state, they're going to have to be prepared for that. I will say this. I, I I haven't sat down and broken down Utah at all, but I had, you know, when I would get home from covering Penn state games, Utah would inevitably be on my TV because the late night games were on. I really enjoyed watching them play. And I really enjoyed watching Dalton Kincaid play uh, the tight end. Uh, he was really good and in the spirit of this question about preventing sacks, he was a guy that just you thought uh, Cam Rising was going down, and then all of a sudden the ball was in Dalton Kincaid's hand. He he did so much to bail them out and to move the chains and keep them on schedule and do do that do that so well. Um, that they're really going to miss him. And I know they've got some good tight ends, but uh, it's a situation when you take that guy out of the formula or you take that guy out, what is the formula to replace him? And we saw when Penn State lost Parker Washington, they struggled for a couple of weeks finding that identity and trying to uh, fill that hole. And now I know Utah's got a couple of weeks weeks of practice to work on it, but filling that void that that Kincaid is going to leave is very, very tough and probably tougher than you think, given it's quote-unquote just a tight end.
2: Yeah, it's crazy to think Kincaid was the second tight end. He was he was not their lead guy. Uh, Brent Keithy was their was their lead tight end coming the season, whom they lost early in the year. Mm-hmm. I do think that you know they've got to find somebody in that in that receiving core because I don't know where the offense goes. It's yeah. it's very narrow of how they get the ball out and pass a lot of situations. dumping it right over
3: the line of scrimmage, and that's where Penn State's been vulnerable when Manny Diaz throws uh, blitzes and things like that. So. That was a huge, huge thing. and and I don't think I've been on to talk about him since he opted out, but that was a huge, huge thing or or is injured. I'll, obviously, he's got some things that he needs to work, uh, get better before he gets to the NFL. But that's just a huge one for for the Utah to lose that before the bowl game. Side Kim is
2: back, and he asks if Penn State gets KV on keys, along with the two linebackers, Tammy Robinson, uh, t- t- yeah, Tamer Robinson and Tony Rojas. I almost said Tony Robbins. I didn't do it, though. Plus, current linebackers on the roster. If you were the coach, how would you maximize the use of all these players next season? What type of athlete player are you putting in the Sutherland spot? What do you do with the Sam position? I told you before the show, I was shocked. I was really surprised that they broke away from the original plan and they they pivoted to put three linebackers back on the field. I didn't expect that. But now there's a reset. If they get three linebackers, they've already got a, a number of safeties in the class. What are you thinking that the the vision is for that position?
3: Before we get there, Dakari Nelson, a guy that I really like as a hybrid guy in the back, They're, Penn State's going to play him a safety. And that's uh, crazy to think a 6'3", 190, because uh, that's the same size as Kevion Keys. That's the same size as Tony Rojas, that he can stick back there. But, If he can stick back there, you might have something. We talked last, this time last year, I think we we already went over this, but with Abdul Carter talking about him being an edge, like if you can get a guy that is athletic enough at that size to stick back one position further back in that chain of command, that is, that could be so huge. So they're going to play him at safety, um, which opens some things up at Sam. Uh, If you got Curtis Jacobs back, then, you know, that's the obvious answer right there. Um, It's interesting because Dom DeLucas, uh, Certainly, still there, and he made some plays this year. I don't know that Keys, who, by the way, while we were on here, tweeted out that he's going to announce on Friday morning at eight thirty uh, from his school, uh, which is you know great because media days tomorrow. So hopefully, we can get that out of the way early. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that Keys and Rojas definitely both outside guys. To me, Robinson's probably eventually a Mike, um, and if they can, if all those guys can stay on that track, you've, you you feel pretty good about the replenishment that you have in this group. Um, I I think probably a natural more uh, Rojas is probably a more natural fit at the Sam, given what he's done, but he's still raw as a football player. I know he's very productive as a high school football player, but still raw out there. So you've got options. And I think that's the thing to take away from it. After we were sort of like skin of your teeth uh, last spring and this, this fall with, uh, with depth at the linebacker positions. Now, all of a sudden you you're bringing in you're trying to replenish the cupboard and you feel pretty good about the numbers that you have. So, Um, I don't know if that answers the question, uh, because Sam is, it's an enigma sometimes because is the alignment, you know, Jacobs plays that like a linebacker Sutherland plays it like a safety. You definitely have packages where you play that position differently than you play a traditional, uh, field linebacker role. So it depends on that. But if you've got Jacobs back, I mean, that that's gotta be the guy
2: yeah it makes a lot of sense with with the way things played out so well when they were all healthy on the and on the football field i also don't think that any of these guys really affect the picture next year because you look at you look at tony Rojas and he is an incredible athlete but he's 190 200 pounds right now. Uh, and then you look at uh, KV on keys, and he looks even smaller to me on film, but they're roughly the same size. They have roughly the same profile as football players. So, uh, unless either of them come in and develop early, then I think that that's still part of the conversation.
3: And let me break in here 190s is fine. Like, I know people are mm-hmm. so hell bent on getting guys that are in that are 6'2, 215. Like, right. 190s is fine. Like 220-pound defensive ends are fine. You're going to put on the weight. You're going to develop those guys, and I think that that's something that needs to be said.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, the point being that they do need that development time. Uh, this These linebackers don't have that abdul Carter of he's physically ready by the time he steps on campus to, com- to, to play right away. They do need that time, and if they're enrolling early and they are putting that weight on, then they're in a good spot to be, you know, a part of the conversation, but that does need to happen first, as opposed to, I just think in general, outside of the offensive lineman, something I was thinking about today, how many guys in this class do you think are early impact players? Um, And then the offensive line has its own kind of problem with that, of being the most important
3: position for development. It's tough. I mean, you look at the commits that they have and pull up the commit list here uh, on, uh, on, on three. I mean, just going down, you looked and you saw more guys last year physically ready to come in, physically ready to play. Uh, rappelier is a guy that jumps out. Elliot Washington, probably a guy that you know. I think there's a couple guys in this class we just don't talk about because they're sort of out of sight, out of mind. So Elliot Washington's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jameel Lyons is a guy I think talented enough to come in and play. I think he's got some things to take care of that that kind of keep him off the field. Um, but uh, definitely from top to bottom, guys that are probably a year or two away and that's fine you know you look at the roster that you have now and you look at the way that college football works now um you're not asking or leaning on these guys to come in and and play right away
2: that's why you got the transfer portal which of course we'll keep updated we'll do our best to give you that information at bluewhiteillustrated.com and then when things are official and we can talk about them here on the youtube channel we'll tell you about it then fitz thank you that was an awesome mailbag we got through a lot of stuff today anything you want to say before we get gone
3: no, I just looked at the clock, and that was, uh, that was a long one. And My voice is starting to give out here, so I'll let, you, I'll let you close this one out.
2: All right, so we will be back tomorrow. Of course, we've got a bunch of great stuff coming up with Media Day. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, BlueWetIllustrated.com. All the places that you can get our content. There's going to be a lot of stuff, a lot of things, like at least three or four different events going on tomorrow. So hit subscribe, hit notifications so you don't miss any of it. We'll talk to you tomorrow.